It helps when I turn up the volume on the microphone. Let's try that again. Hello and welcome. I'm Dan, your friendly fishmonger at dancefish.com. Glad to be here. We do this every Wednesday at 7 p.m. Mountain Time. That is 9 Eastern for those that do not know where the mountains are. And glad to have you aboard. So we're going to start with our typical shipping report. We have a great giveaway that we'll go into some depth on this time instead of just skirting over it like we usually do. And I am thrilled to announce there's been quite a bit of progress over at the new fish store build site, the fish warehouse, if you will. So we'll take you through all that and then we'll get to chat with each other. Uh, you can leave questions or comments. And um, once I'm done monologuing, that's when that starts. So if you leave your question or comment now, it's probably going to get lost. Um, chat only lets you scroll up so far when you're running a stream. So if you want to wait until we're done monologuing or close to it, then, um, then your chat's more likely to be seen. Um, so let's get right to the shipping report. This one is not as good as I like. <laughs> there were some problems um, this round. And the first one was we lost a Corridor's Venezuelanist that we sent out. I, I think though, I mean, <clears throat> we have sent out many hundreds of those and we've only had one issue that I can remember at least in the last several months. So, um, so I think the batch is good. I think either there was a one week individual or maybe accidentally did something to it when I was packing it. You, you never know for sure, but I still think the batch is good. But the one that really hurts is I sent out tons of plecos, lots and lots of plecos. So this is not a normal thing, but something did happen with some plecos. It was some 173 B's. Um, I sent one customer, six of them, and they all seemed fine. They looked healthy. They were doing great. But a week after they were, were received, I think that's correct. I think about a week after they were uh, received, um, three of them died. And then the next day, three more died. So I'm, I, I send this customer other plecos too, though, and those are doing fine, but they're in a separate tank. So my feeling is probably that this is a chance thing. Um, I can't know for sure, but when you send out a lot of a type of fish and there's usually not problems and there's only one isolated problem, then you can kind of guess that there's something that went on there that caused the problem. And, and, and by the way, this is not a, a customer blame thing at all. I'm still going to work with the customer um, to try to figure out what's wrong and, and resend or refund or whatever. This is, this is not blaming the customer. Um, what I try to do, though, when there's a problem is think, what are the odds that the problem is on my end? Because if it's on my end, I want to delist that animal, remove that animal for sale on the website and take some time to try to figure out the problem before I send it to someone else. So I'm, I'm just kind of taking you through my thought process here about that. Um, but my thought process is it was only one tank. Um, so these, these six plecos went in one tank separate from the others and um, separate from everyone else that got some as well. Um, and that one tank, the plecos in that one tank seemed to have a problem. So my guess is it's something to do with the tank. I can't know that for sure. And again, I'm not blaming the customer. 
But because of that, I've decided to leave them up on the website um, because I've checked and double checked and they seem perfectly fine here. They're eating well. They're, they're being normal plecos. So I'm still confident they'll be okay. So um, I did remove some of them from the website, though, so I have enough to resend to this customer if they elect that option. Um, but if you're looking for 173Bs, I still have three up on the site and I, I still think they're okay to go. Um, but I would like to know of everyone that bought Plecos from us over the, and, and got them over the last few weeks, um, did you have any problems? My Plecos are one that are expensive enough that I feel like if people had problems, um, they would have reached out and told me. So if that's you, if you would reach out and let me know, because then my assumptions change. If it's like, oh, no, four people had a problem, then I'm like, oh, I, I need to check something on my end, right? So that's why I do these shipping reports. It helps me calibrate how things are going because all I see is what happens on my end, right? I, I can't be there and know what tank each fish is going in and how it's um, being transitioned to the new tank and what the setup's like and all that. So this customer seems fairly knowledgeable, though, and everything we've looked at makes it seem like the tank should be okay. So I think what the plan is for now is to... Um, see if there's another aquarium totally separate from that one that's cycled and has been running for a long time without any problems that, um, that if I sent replacements, they could go in there. So we don't just put them back in the same tank and have the same problem. Right? So I, I've had this happen with customers in the past where I've shipped some fish. They didn't do well. We couldn't always pinpoint the exact problem, but I would say, okay, I'm going to ship you. I'm going to replace those fish. I'll ship them to you for free. I only ask that you put them in a different tank, you know, and I, I know in advance that they have a, a separate tank that's been up and running and hasn't had problems and isn't a new tank because those, <laughs> those can have problems. Um, and sent the fish back out and in the other tank, they did just fine. So each tank is its own little ecosystem and each one can can treat fish differently. And often we never know exactly what's going on in them, right? So the other thing is um, I have sent samples of lots of the fish to an aquatic veterinarian and we've cleared inspection by the aquatic veterinarian. Um, we did send some um, fish to a lab though, um, just for an extra check because veterinarians can't see everything in, you know, skin scrapes and gill clippings and fin clippings and dissection and all that. Sometimes you need a lab that can do a, um, what, histopathology, where they uh, use different dyes and things, and they can see stuff like tiny little viruses and tissues. They can, they can really get in there. So we are waiting on the lab results, but the original veterinarian examinations, everything looks pretty good on, so... I, I think we're, I think we're still okay. But again, if I'm wrong, if you've had problems, reach out, let me know so I can know that so I can act accordingly. So that's a bit of a bummer. Um, that's going to take down our uh, success percentage a bit because I'll count that. So I keep track of two things. One is fish arrived alive and looked good when they arrived. That's number one category. And the other is, so I, that's DOA basically. And the other I call DOL, uh, which is for died later. So if the fish arrived alive and looked healthy or not, I keep track of that. 
And then if fish developed a problem later on, within a week or two, like months down the road, is that a shipping issue? But anytime that there's suspicion that it might have been due to something on my end here or the shipping itself or something, um, we keep track of that separately as well. So we, we get this a good sense of, of how successful our fish are being for our customers. Um, and the only way to, to really know that is if people report when there are problems. So we encourage you to do that. You can send me an email, dan at dancefish.com, or you can leave it right here um, if you're comfortable in chat. We don't mind. We want everything transparent and open. Um, but we understand not everyone wants to be <laughs> talking about <laughs> dead fish live in public. So you can email us too. But it really helps us keep track of things. So um, anyway, my basically my, my benchmark for, um, for knowing that we're doing a good job is over 99% success. So less than 1% problem. And we're still within that. Um, but we were up till this last week at 99.8% success. I haven't calculated um, how many bits of a percent this will drop us, but it'll drop us a little bit, um, which is a bummer, not just because of the number in the metric we're trying to, to track, but for the customer as well, right? Well, and for the fish, most of all, I suppose. Um, but anyway, that's the shipping report. It's not as, uh, is, it's more problematic than usual. And this is one I, I wasn't looking forward to talking to today, talking about today, but, but we got to do it. We've made that commitment and we'll always be transparent. And this way it keeps us working hard to make sure there aren't problems. So I think it's worth doing. Sorry if uh, talk about that disturbs anyone, but it's important to us in our business to do it so that um, so we never so we're never tempted to slip up. <laughs> so we keep working hard and doing the right thing to get fish to people safely and happily. Um, the next thing I want to talk about is our giveaway. So. Let me do that. Hey, Xanadudu is dropping money on us. Five bucks. Cheers and much love to you all, Fish Fam folks. Thank you so much for the super chat. And I agree, the Fish Fam is pretty incredible. I'm glad to be part of it. Um, I want to talk about the giveaway. And the giveaway are some licorice garamis. Peros Menace, however you say that. Peros Menace. <laughs> Peros Menace. that's what I'm going with. Desnari, it's probably Desnari, right? Desnari, I don't know. That's what I'm going with. Um, they're these beautiful licorice garamis. They get a lot of blue in them. And here's a, you know, well, anyway, you can see them here. There's several examples of them with the blue and the black striping on the, the tan body. Really pretty fish. And the reason I'm giving these away is I want to crush the myth that licorice garamis are hard. I don't think they are. And the reason I brought in this species is it gets larger than a lot of the licorice garamis. So this one will get one and a half, maybe even up to close to two inches in size. So for a licorice garami, that's a giant. And I just figured people would be more comfortable with a larger fish. Now, right now, they're like half an inch or three quarters of an inch, but they have some growing to do. And so I, I thought that it would be 
better for the customer base to have access to a larger licorice gourami versus a, a tiny little one, at least to start with. Now, I think, so there's all kinds of information out there about them being hard to keep. And that has not been my experience. So I want to give away a group of them to someone and hopefully this doesn't backfire. Hopefully they're successful as well. And then they're like, hey, these did fine. And they'll talk to someone and, you know, eventually liquor scrummies will <laughs> be, be less feared and more kept in the hobby. Where the, oh, I need to transition. So where I think the fear comes from is the fact that they come from, you know, basically very peaty, very acidic black water environments. And so there's this thing that happens and it's been happening my entire lifetime, but even more now with the internet and how information is spread. There's this idea that, that fish need to be kept in the same pH as their wild environment. So you'll go to lots of websites or even old magazine articles back when magazines were more of a thing. And it'll talk about certain parameters like pH and hardness. And it'll talk about them in a way that makes it seem like, oh, I have to do that for the fish in order for the fish to be healthy. I honestly think a lot of these parameters are just something else to put in an article or on a listing uh, to make it seem more fleshed out. A lot of them are really not just useless. Well, I wouldn't say useless, but where I was going with this is I was going to say not just useless, but actually confusing <laughs> to people. And I guess it's not useless to know what your fish is like in the wild, its environment. That's, that's helpful. But the sense comes that if a licorice gourami, let's say, comes from a pH of 3.5 or 4 or you know, high pH for them might be 5.5. Um, that unless you can provide that, they're not going to do well for you. And I, that's just not true. So what I've found is once they're acclimated from import and used to aquarium life and aquarium foods, then they're as hardy as pretty much any other fish. Um, no, okay, not maybe Rift Lake cichlids. You, you know, you, you can shoot those in the head and they won't die. Not that I've done that, but um, there is like sparkling gouramis, like, like lots of these fish. They're pretty darn hardy. The first transition to aquarium life, that takes some tender loving care. Um, <laughs> I'm laughing because I just saw Pippi Longstocking. I'll get to you in a minute, Kaylee's Aquatics and Exotics. Um, at that point, they, they need some help transitioning. And that could be hard for someone who um, hasn't done that a lot. But once they're transitioned, they're good. They'll eat flakes, they'll eat little pellets, they'll pick on rakashi or um, large algae wafers or whatever. They're not very picky. They're good companions. Don't keep them with anything super fast to the food, like a group of Tinwinnie Danios or something. But um, I'm keeping mine with pygmy corridors and they get along famously. I've kept them with rocket killies. I've kept them with um, hatchets, any other fish that aren't going to be in the same zone of the aquarium as they are and won't outcompete them with f for food are usually okay. 
they like little caves and places to hide, but in a group, they're out and about all the time. Mine are always out and about looking for food. Uh, when I come up to the tank and they, they come up asking for food, right? They're, they're well adjusted. Now, fish that aren't in groups can get skittish or if there's not enough cover and things like that, but they don't mind the bright lights I have on. They don't mind general, it's a sponge filter. Um, I don't acidify the water or anything like that. So I think they're going to do well for you. What I would say is make sure that the tank is old and mature. You don't want a, a new tank because ammonia will wipe them out really quick. And just like bettas, they're, they're more prone. I don't know if they're more prone to velvet, but, um, you, you know, keep an eye out for it can velvet, but that's a lot of our fish. That's not any more of an issue than a standard betta really. Um, temperatures, I would say, um, they have a range of temperatures, but mid seventies seems to be fine for them. And they'll take, in my experience, it's a, it's a couple of weeks, about two weeks, and then they'll start coloring up. They'll get the nice blue finish, um, will come out. So, oh, and they're jumpers, keep a tight lid. So I, I'm just saying all this and, and giving this particular group a way to try to help someone else be successful with them so that, um, yeah, so not everyone's so afraid of them. Now, I don't know, this could be the batch that I send and like, <laughs> they don't do well. That's always a possibility. But um, one, one great site I want to share with you guys about these fish. Now, this site does talk about super acidic conditions and, and all that stuff. But it's also a great site just for information. So um, I wouldn't say it's the end all be all or follow it too religiously, but it gives you a good introduction to this genus. And it has descriptions of every species. Um, you can pick pick any of them here. And um, it's got more information in a more compact form than any other site. It's got articles that are written on these fish. Um, well, it did. I swear I've read articles. Well, that's what, oh, here they are. Okay, good. I was like, I swear I've read articles on this site. But anyway, um, the parosfromenis-project.org. Um, let me go ahead and I'm going to go to the homepage here and share it with you. This is just someone that is way, way into this genus and has done a lot of work to make a good information rich site where we can go to. Holy cow. Wow. That is a big super chat. I'm going to go in order though. Kayla's Aquatics and Exotics. <laughs> Pippi Longstocking cracks me up. Pippi Longstocking as a cheerleader in that sticker cracks me up. I love it. Um, thanks for the nine ninety nine. I appreciate it, Bob. I, I always feel, I guess I'm getting used to it now, but still I feel a little strange when my moderators super chat me. It's good. I, I mean, I love the support, but because I feel like they work so hard for us every week and for what I'm paying them, 
I feel like I should be super chatting them because <laughs> they're here every week. They volunteer. They make this work. They don't ask for anything in return. They just volunteer out of the goodness of their heart. And so when they do that and give me money, it's kind of like, whoa. <laughs> so I double appreciate it. Thank you so much. And um, yeah, I, I feel like I should be super chatting the, the moderators. Now, I don't right now just because I'm a fledgling business. I'm a startup. Every penny counts. And um, I'm trying to be very responsible with with all the funds we have here at Dance Fish, um, in part because I now have a couple employees or co-workers, let's call them, um, working with me. Um, we have investors that have put money in and all that. And so I'm I'm very frugal. But I do hope to get to the point where Dan's Fish can be more active and help, you know, do some things, um, give some super chats to things that are making a difference or really helping with the community, things like that. But for now, I, I know we're just kind of take, take, taking and not giving much. Um, but we'll get there. We'll get there. I just the responsibility weighs heavy on me to be very frugal with the funds, I guess, that I've acquired to this point. Liquid Zoo slash OnlyFins throwing down a hundred dollar super chat. Holy cow. Liquid Zoo, thank you. That's mighty generous of you. Haven't seen one of those in a long time. And um, super chats are always appreciated. They're never required, but you know, we're a startup. Every little bit does help. So thank you. Says keep being a stand-up store owner. Um, a lot of money and a computer. I think that's saying, here's some money for the live stream on the computer. I don't know. Either way, it's a hundred dollars and I'm very grateful. And thank you so much. I appreciate it. Michael Melier. No, <laughs> Michael's throwing down 999. Thanks for all the great content on Instagram. Love watching the warehouse coming along. Thanks, Michael. Michael, you're another one. I feel like I should be paying you for those that don't know. I'm going to out you here a little bit, Michael. I, I think I think that's okay because I think I've already outed you a couple times. But um, Michael helps us write the article for our monthly newsletter so that the newsletter isn't just, hey, buy our stuff, but it also has some actual fish keeping information in it that is helpful. This month's newsletter, which was released this morning, uh, was on rice fish, specifically Madaka, but some little little pictures and captions about some other species as well. Um, and so Michael writes those up. Um, I, you know, I go over them and we edit them and all that, but the, the bones of that thing uh, are from Michael. Michael also is responsible. If you've watched um, the, the dance fish tours where I go around and show the different fish that we have available. Um, Michael's responsible for, creating all the timestamps on that in the description. So if there's a specific fish you're interested in, you can click on that and go right to that fish and don't have to like try to find it in an hour and a half long tour, right? Um, when you're like, man, what was that thing again? And you try to find the fish. It's just all listed there. So that takes a lot of time and I, I really appreciate it. He also helps us with the um, descriptions for the store, writing out the the descriptions. And if you've noticed, there's a lot more up than there were before. Um, thanks in part to Michael's help, but we have, we have a ways to go. Um, it is a time suck. Like 
basically every time you're writing one of those, you're writing a little article. And so <laughs> it's a lot of time. But um, so anyway, I feel like I should be paying Michael. But thank you so much for the super chat. Always appreciated. Never required. But it makes Brenda, my wife, super happy. Jeez, they're flying today. BJ Palmer, $5. Congratulations to Jeremy on their new baby boy. Oh, that's pretty exciting. That is exciting. I don't know if there's anything more exciting than, than that. That's awesome. Congratulations. Yeah. I miss the wee ones. Mine are old enough now that, you know, I'm not as cool as I was anymore and all that. I miss the wee ones. Stephen P, 2003, Quartix. I agree with Matt. You're a stand-up store owner, but I don't need to give 100 bucks because my fish are still alive. <laughs> so funny, so horrible at the same time. Oh, man. That's... Ouch. <laughs> that's uh, <laughs> that's Stephen for you, folks. <laughs> if you haven't watched his videos and you need a good chuckle, go check his channel out. I almost lost my water in like the delayed chuckle. Oh man. Okay. I need a drink, but I'm afraid I'm gonna laugh. <laughs> okay. I think it's safe. Yeah. Quick. Okay, good. <laughs> oh, oh, that was horrible. That hit me so right, just because I've been thinking about this and how to help this customer and how to try to help them be successful. Because, like, anytime a customer has a problem, then my, my reaction is not to, like, well, that's your problem and like backpedal. My reaction is to lean in because I'm a fish hobbyist at heart. Like, yeah, I have a store and a business and I, I, I need to make a living, but I, I consider myself a professional hobbyist, like Rachel O'Leary, Rachel O'Leary says. So, so it's that it's those decades of like being in fish clubs and just nerding out with fish friends and stuff and trying to help each other be successful that's my instant reaction. And so it's a lean in and how can I help? And usually we can come to a solution um, and a customer can be successful long-term with the species, even if they had a rough start with it. Um, every now and then it just doesn't work. Like for me, I love clown killifish. Pseudepiplates annulatus, one of my all-time favorites. I've kept and bred them off and on for decades. No problems. Here, I am having the toughest time with that fish. So I've tried lots of times from lots of different suppliers and they don't do well. Every now and then I'll get lucky and a batch will do well and I'll be like, yes, it's solved. And then I'll try again from the same supplier. And then we have a problem with the next batch. So that's one fish that it's like, I've tried everything I can to be successful with them and I don't know how. <laughs> and so I've just stopped trying to get them. So I am going to try again in the warehouse because that's totally different water parameters and things. And um, maybe that'll be more successful. But until then, 
sometimes I just get to the point where myself or with customers that I'm working with to try to help them be successful, where it's just like, we don't know what it is, but we don't want to kill anymore, right? It's time to move on. It's not fair to the fish to keep trying this fish. But, but in this case, I'm optimistic. I think that the L173Bs, we're going to figure out how to make that work. All right. Um, the last thing that I wanted to share is um, we released the newsletter. Let me make sure I can, okay, I don't want to, I have to get into my email real quick. And last time I did that, I almost shared accidentally someone's information. So just a sec. I'm going to bring up the newsletter and show it to you folks. Um, in September newsletter, that's the test. Where's the actual one? Oh, here it is. I forwarded it to my mom. <laughs> okay, here we go. So the reason I want to show you this is because it has an update on the warehouse all nicely packaged. So instead of me having to go find individual pictures and stuff, I can just, I can just share this. So here's the newsletter for this month. So here's the construction progress. Um, I might need to do this to make it bigger. Just a minute. Can I go bigger? No, it's like past. It doesn't even know what to do now. All right. So here's our cistern where all the water that leaves the aquariums drains to. This is the entrance to our warehouse. This is where the water comes in from the creek. This is a six inch pipe. This is our drain from the warehouse. This is a 10 inch pipe where the water leaves the warehouse once it's gone through the, the aquariums and all the filtration and everything. So most of what I'm going to show you now is all the aquarium drainage that goes to this cistern. So this is kind of how it started. This is a view of it. This is the trench where the drainage will go. Got most of the main drain installed here. Now this is the aquarium main drain and then these are the up stands, the up pipes. <laughs> these are the pipes where the individual rows of aquariums will drain to. So on top of each of these are 60 aquariums, a row of 60 aquariums on these, and there's more over here. So here's kind of a detail of it. This is sewer right here, but this right here, these pipes here to here, this is all drainage from, from aquariums. It's all capped and ready for a pressure test. Um, the other thing that we've been working on is bringing in water and sewer. Here's a manhole we installed in the street. Here, here's a water trench to the water service. A um, little more progress on that. This is when it was done and ready to be repaved, but we still had a long ways to go. So here's the manhole on the other side. The first manhole we showed you is back here on the street. And this is the length we had to go to to bring in the sewer line and the water line, which is running right over here. Um, oh yeah, and the trusses arrived. That's my wife. She's right here, even with the back of the trusses to give you an idea of scale, how big they are. Um, and we went to the warehouse today. Oh, I, I should show this too. So if you're not subscribed to the newsletter, this is what you're missing. Um, hang on, let me reset that. Wait, that did not reset. 100, okay. So there's that. 
Then we have a nice article. This is the article that um, Michael Melier wrote about Madaka rice fish. Great article, lots of good information. Um, and then a little retraction because we, we did some information in the previous month's newsletter that we wanted. And Gary Lang set us straight. So we wanted to make sure everyone uh, <laughs> got a corrected uh, information because we don't like, uh, you know, being the bearers of bad information. And then we got into pictures of the new gobies that we have. So this is the kind of thing that we do in our in our newsletter. So it's not just like buy our stuff, buy our stuff, buy our stuff. Oh, I didn't. Sh I wasn't showing any of that, was I? I hope I showed that. Did I show that? I did. Oh, good. I'm getting a nod from random arms, so that's good. Um, we're, we're trying not to just like be interrupt people and say buy our stuff. We're trying to say, hey, here's some stuff you might be interested in. Here's some information about a fish or a group of fish that might be helpful or at least interesting. And, and by the way, we also have these cool things um, if you want to come check them out. That's, that's kind of our, our, our approach. We, we believe that by adding value, um, that that's the long-term play. Um, it'll be best, I think, long-term for our business and also for you guys. So that's, that's what we're doing. Um, but anyway... If you want to sign up for that, you can do that at dancefish.com. There's a place you can go there and sign up for the newsletter. Um, all right. So I think that's it. We've gone over the shipping report. Um, we've talked about the, uh, the licorice grommies for the giveaway and um, talked about the update on construction. So it's pretty exciting. Um, we went to visit the site today. We do every, every day. Uh, Random Arms and I go out there and um, just to check the progress and a little bit of, of it is like, let's make sure this has been done like we planned, but also it's like just exciting to see the progress, see it coming together. And we went out today and that's done now. It's all backfilled. Um, the landing pad has been filled back in. Um, Tomorrow and the next day, the electrician will go out and do some marking and figure out a, a couple things that have to be figured out. And then next week, they're going to pour the foundation. So we should have our cement foundation all poured next week. And then we can start building, which is so amazing after all this time waiting. <laughs> so anyway. Everybody wants to know the hashtag. Oh, we didn't do the hashtag for the giveaway. I'm good at my job some days. <laughs> I'm so sorry. If you would like to enter to win a group, I'll send you six licorice garamis. Um, then the hashtag is, you probably could guess it, hashtag licorice. And I think I even spelled that right. Hashtag L-I-C-O-R-I-C-E. Yeah, that's right, right? <laughs> so hashtag no spaces, just hashtag and immediately start typing L-I-C-O-R-I-C-E, licorice. And you will be entered to win the licorice garamis that I forgot to tell you how to enter to win before. <laughs> Thanks, Random Arms. It's good to have a producer to keep me straight. <laughs> All right, that's what's going on in our neck of the woods. Now we want to hear what's going on with you guys. So uh, feel free to leave a... a uh, question or a comment when you do if you would type in 
at Dan's Fish so that it turns bright orange for me. See these bright orange boxes in chat? That's what I look for when I'm going through the chat. That helps me manage the chat and not waste time just, you know, scrolling through stuff that is not directed at me because everyone in here is friends and there's a lot of talking back and forth that isn't a question or comment for me. So that's kind of how I manage the chat. So with that, I'd like to thank my mods for being here and for their help managing the chat. I'd like to remind folks to be nice to the mods. Um, I've instructed them to, to just, just ban anyone that's not a good player. Um, anyone that's causing them stress or um, making this job unpleasant for them, I've instructed them to, to ban them, that person, because they're volunteers and I, I want the mods to have a fun experience here along with everyone else. And if you're not, if you're making that not happen, <laughs> if you're being a problem and keeping them from having fun and enjoying what they're doing here, then it's just that you're just gone. We don't have time for that. They don't get paid enough to put up with that. So thank you to my mods. Um, and um, I think that's it. So with that, I'm not going to be able to get up all that far um, here, but I'll see. Fishaholic, that's the first one I could see. Chug down that gin and tonic, bud. Cheers. Hope all is well. Hello to the fish fam. Hello right back. If this was a gin and tonic, I would be in the hospital by now. That's This is like a, I don't know, this is probably four cups in here, this, this massive mug. Mm. <laughs> but I appreciate the sentiment. <laughs> I'm bringing back the 20s. <laughs> Fish Kid 61 I'm going to breed bettas in a divided tank. Any tips? Um, my, my best tip is, I think, that if what you're talking about is one of those little betta boxes with the divisions, that that's probably not going to work. Um, so I'm going to assume that this is an aquarium of some type, maybe a 10 gallon, something like that. So here's how I've had the most success breeding bettas. And I'm talking about betta splendens here. I, I imagine you are as well. Um, first thing is 10 gallon tank works just fine. Five and a half gallon can work as well, but drop the water level. You don't need as much water as you think you do. Um, so drop the water level down. Well, First thing is make sure that the fish are well conditioned. The female's egg tube is visible. Um, then move the male to the tank where you're going to spawn them. Wait until he has a bubble nest built. Um, and to help that happen, you can put something floating where he can build his nest. You can cut a styrofoam cup in half if you want. You can put uh, some floating plants up there, something. And he'll build his nest under that. Um, but the water level only needs to be like, I don't know, two, three inches, let's say, three, four inches, maybe. Not very deep. In the wild, they often spawn in very shallow water. And if the water is deep, if it's a 10-gallon aquarium and it's all the way full, then those eggs sink. So better eggs sink. And that male has to go down, pick them up, bring them back up, spit them into the nest, go down, pick them up, bring them back up, spit them in the nest. Um, they're constantly falling out of the nest during the spawn, he has to pick them up and put them in there. But also between there, when they first hatch, they're always falling out until they're free swimming, stuff like that. So make his job easy. <laughs> Give him a shallower space to work in. 
Um, once he's got the nest and your female's nice and fat, then and, and ready to go, you can move her over. But you need to make sure that there's plenty of hiding places in there for her. So one way to do this is like stuff half the tank with java moss, which will also help feed the, the newborn fry with the little critters that grow on it. Um, you can do that and put her right in there. That can work. A better option, though, is to get a glass cylinder, something like this that doesn't have a bottom or a top. It's open on the top and the bottom, maybe a little wider, and put that in the tank, put her in that, and leave them together for a couple days or so till they get used to each other. Also, when the female's ready to spawn, her stripes will turn from horizontal to vertical. That's one clue that she's about ready to spawn. So once that happens, I'd still give her a little while. And then when she's ready, she indicates with her change pattern and it's been a while, like a day or so. Then you can remove that glass cylinder. And if the top is missing and the bottom is missing, then you can do that without disturbing the water and disturbing the bubble nest. You still want to have all that java moss or something, spawning mops, something in there for her to hide in though, because the males can be very rough on the females. Um, it can help to cover the aquarium. You want a lid on it so that you don't have drafts in there that are disturbing the bubble nest or disturbing the babies when they're first, they want nice, moist, humid air when they're first developing their labyrinth organ, which is like their lungs, if you will. So that's how I would do it. Um, once they had spawned, which can take a, a couple days still, it can take a little while. Once they spawn, remove the female or lady. They, they are rough on the females when they spawn. Um, and just let the male take care of the babies. As soon as the babies are more or less free swimming, uh, remove the male and start feeding the babies. Now, here's where it gets tough. <laughs> the bettas have done the hard work till now. Baby bettas are very small. Yes, you can raise some up if you use powdered dry food. Yes, you'll get a few to live if you use like sifted baby brine shrimp or microworms or vinegar eels. Excuse me. But even microworms and vinegar eels, in my opinion, I, I know some betta breeders out there use them in my opinion, are still too big and difficult for the bettas. So if you want to raise a good portion of the spawn, I'd recommend rotifers or paramecium or infusoria or green water, something like that. Really tiny stuff for the first week or so. You can gradually introduce baby brine shrimp. And once you see them just getting all getting full, bright pink or orange bellies from the baby brine shrimp, then, then they're good to go. Um, as this is all happening... The babies are free swimming. They're still only like, I don't know, two to four inches of water in there. I'll let you be the judge. Um, gradually, you can add, like every few days, you can add another inch of water to that. And if it's a 10-gallon tank, let's say. And that'll act as your water changes. Once it's full, then you can do a normal water change, siphon some out, put some back in. When you change the water, please use well-aged, gassed-off water. Don't use water fresh from your tap. Make sure it's nice and warm, um, same temperature as the aquarium pretty much, because at this, at that first stage, they're, uh, they're a little bit delicate. I mean, they're, they're tough 
for a baby fish, but they're still tiny little glass slivers. So once they're on baby brine shrimp, it's just a matter of keeping food in front of them um, and keeping the water clean. So that's my thoughts on it. Yeah, it's, it's pretty simple to breed the bettas and to get the babies. Where a lot of people fail, though, is getting those tiny little glass slivers um, through their first week or two. Because very few people have infusoria, paramecium, green water, and things like that. We all want to do the easy thing, which is some powdered food or, you know, some of the worms or brine shrimp. Now, one thing to be said for that, I suppose, is bettas have a lot of eggs. So maybe it's okay that you only end up with a couple or a few at the end, because maybe you don't want to have to jar 200 bettas, right? But I would say, for me, I would want to raise a nice batch of them select the top few and then I want a large number to select the good ones from for the next breeding project or or to raise all the way Um, and the other ones uh, some people aren't going to like this and I apologize but the other ones make great fish food if they're tiny little things still when you pick out the best ones um, you don't have to raise them all all the way I know that bothers a lot of people um, and I get it I don't judge you for it. I hope you don't judge me, but I just think big fishy, little fish. I, I don't have a problem with it. Um, all right. So that's my thoughts on the bettas. Let's see here. Mitchell Broom. I have a couple groups of parobintan that are rock solid. They don't need it, but I keep them with a little bit of tannic water with oak leaves. I like the way their color shines in darker water. Absolutely. Um, the, the reason I suppose, I mean, I wasn't, I didn't oversee this process, but you know, the, the reason they have those bright sparkles on them is probably so they can see each other through that tannic water and can attract a mate in kind of that tea colored uh, peat swamp where they come from. So absolutely, I do think that they look pretty darn good in tannic water as well. But not everyone likes tea colored water. So, um, but I do personally, sure. Well, good to hear, Mitchell. Um, anyone else that has experience with licorice grommies of any species, would you chime in? Love to hear about it. Fish kids, six, I mean, the reason I, I talked about all that with their pH and everything is one of the most frequent emails I get is what pH do I need for these fish? What pH are you keeping them in? What And, and what I found over the years is I, I'm not going to say the pH is a meaningless parameter because it gives you some information, but um, the, the number of questions I get about it makes me think people are putting a lot more importance on it than I think the, the fish keeping actually requires. Um, so I, I know people that have kept licorice grommies in nice, soft, acidic water on up to pretty darn hard water. So it's, it's, about, it's about them being healthy and well acclimated and solid before the transition. That's what's important in my experience. I always say that because I get more experience every day and tomorrow something might happen where I'm like, well, that was all wrong. (laughs) So anyone that's gone through and some folks have and watched like these live streams from the beginning, maybe you broke your leg and you're stuck in bed for a month. I don't know. (laughs) And it's a way to pass the time. But if you ever do that, you'll find 
there are things I say now that are in direct contradiction to stuff I said a year ago or three years ago or whatever. And it's just because in this hobby, you're constantly learning and um, you never know it all, which is what keeps it exciting, but also makes people like me look dumb every now and then because uh, what we say is kind of archived forever on YouTube. <laughs> but <laughs> as of now, that's what I've experienced and what I think. Let's see here. Liquid Zoo only fins. I'm the Plucko purchaser with the issue. I, well, yep. <laughs> I wasn't going to say that, but yep. We're working through it. We'll, we'll, we'll find a way. I'm confident. All right. <laughs> Chat's about there it goes. Bam. Chat jumped. Man, you know what's impressive about a $100 Super Chat is how long it stays up there. It is still there. <laughs> Thanks again, Liquid Zoo. I really do appreciate it. And I, now that we know it's you, I, I should just say it's been it's been nice going back and forth and working with you to try to solve this. Thanks for everything that you've shared and, and stuff as we try to fix the issue. Okay, I just got through all the hashtag licorices, um, so I know that cut a lot of people off. So if you left your super chat, I'm sorry, your super chat, your question or comment, I'm still thinking about that $100 super chat. It's amazing. Um, your question or comment uh, before everyone entered hashtag licorice and I didn't get to it, it's because chat jumped and I couldn't see it. So please feel free to leave it again. We don't wanna spam the chat with the same question or comment that doesn't help us help me find it any easier or get to it any quicker and just kind of clogs things up. But if you left it above that, please do list it again. Richard Reynolds, we received the six Bolivian Rams this morning. They're doing great. We'll definitely order from you again. Richard, I, I, I think you got a little lucky. Um, I've been keeping Bolivian Rams for a long time. I don't know how many, I don't know, thousands of thousands of them I've seen over the years. Literally, you got the last of the best batch of Bolivian Rams I've ever seen in my life. I mean, I know right now they're probably still stressed for you a little bit and their colors probably aren't popping yet, but just wait two weeks. I, I can't wait <laughs> for you to see them in like two weeks. Um, I, yeah, I, I think they're mind blowing. This batch was awesome. So glad you got some. Tone Tony, 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 Tony has done it again. $4.99. Thank you so much. And was there a comment with that? Nope. Just trumpets, lemons and blue lemons. What, what would be that? What would be that? What would that be? I don't know. Fruit playing trumpets. Thanks. Thanks, Tone. I appreciate it. Mountaintop Puffer Keeper. Hi, all night. Got away from me there. The newsletter is amazing good stuff. Thanks, Mountaintop. And uh, Mountaintop is contributing as well. So um, keep your eyes peeled. There's, there's something coming out from Mountaintop that's pretty cool. That'll be coming out here pretty soon. Hi, all. Night got away from me there. The newsletter is amazing good stuff. Okay. First, I read high all night, and I was like, hmm, TMI. <laughs> but no, it's high all 
My God. Okay. I see. <laughs> Punctuation mountaintop. Help me out here. <laughs> Patrick Wingard, any tips on South American leaf fish? Um, I'm not going to be able to tell you a lot because I have not kept that fish long-term myself, but my good friend, Steve Ehrlich, um, he kept them and I would visit them at Steve's house and he fed his, okay. So is what size tank? Let's start there. I don't remember. Let's call it a 30 to 40 gallon. Um, had a lot of plants in it. They spawned regularly for Steve. They would spawn on like a broad leaf plants. I don't remember if it was like an Anubius or a sword plant or what it was, but a broad leaf plant. They, they spawned on it like every week or two. They spawned a lot. Um, I remember Steve raised the babies. At first he fed them baby brine shrimp and that wasn't a problem. They would eat that. And I remember that he fed the adults. Uh, what I remember was mostly ghost shrimp um, or grass shrimp, which, whichever you want to call it. That's all I remember. So that's all I can give you, except for that they were super cool to watch. When they eat, it is so cool. You put the little feeder shrimp in there, and they're, they're a leaf, right? So they just hang out, and they slowly move forward. Their little clear fins are moving, but they, they look like they're just moving without any fin movement. And then that trumpet mouth just goes, boom, and the shrimp's gone. And it's, like, so fast. They're, they are a super cool fish. I have actually actively been trying to get a group of them in um, so I can distribute them for quite some time. I can find them, but I, whenever I find them, one of my suppliers gets them occasionally, and the price is just ridiculous, so I haven't done it. Um, same with the Splash Tetris. I love Splash Tetris, but um, the suppliers I generally use that just, like, man... I'd have to sell that thing for like 20 bucks a piece for a splash tetra. Nah, doesn't, doesn't work. So there's a lot of fish I like, but can't always get them all in. Oh, Jake Gills, random arms is letting me know someone accidentally entered the hashtag twice or they entered. Oh, I don't know. Um, Nightbot does not like that. I have not enabled the anti-spam. If I did, it would have it would have uh, made you ineligible. But I think you're still eligible. I don't know the mysteries of Nightbot in depth, though. To tell you the truth, I haven't spent a lot of time going over it. I just know it works for a giveaway. <laughs> That's all I know. Um, Louis Gianni Johns. Okay, so I guess we could check here. Under L, let's all look together. Here's Nightbot. Is Louis Johnny Johns on there? Yeah, you're still on there, and you're still eligible. Why is Lumpy Dog... What's this mean? Mark eligible. Yeah. Why did it lump Mark Lumpy Dog ineligible? Oh, these are people that haven't entered the hashtag. I got it. So people that know that they don't want or can't properly care for, don't have, like, the right setup for licorice crumbs. I'm guessing that's what it is. Okay. All right. I learned something today. Interesting. All right. Soldiering on. Natural aquariums. Are you planning on bringing any of your amazing fish to the GPAS Fishtoberfest? Um, 
I'm kind of. <laughs> so I'm not going to be sitting up like a table to resell fish or anything on. Um, just because I, I think that's probably a little stressful for the fish to be out all the time like that. But I am going to donate a box of fish to the GPAS. Um, so and it'll, it'll be some nice stuff. Um, so I'm not going to be there bringing a bunch of stuff to sell, but I'll, I'll donate a box to the event, to the club. And I'll, I'll get them. The goal is, this is one of those times when I'm going to risk probably Saturday delivery. So the goal will be to have them delivered on Saturday. So someone wins the box on Sunday and the fish aren't like stressed long-term. Um, I try not to ever stress fish out unnecessarily. So when I go to the Killy shows and stuff, I'll bring fish to sell because I can keep them in an insulated box and all that stuff. But I don't bring fish to enter the show out in those little containers and all that. I just feel like that's stressful on the fish. Now, I'm not like against people doing that. I enjoy the show. <laughs> I'm a hypocrite because I go and I look at all the killies and I'm like, wow, that's awesome. So I get that it helps educate people. You'll see stuff there you can't see anywhere else. You'll learn about them. Um, you'll be a better fish keeper for it. I, I get all that, but um, I don't know. There's just, there's just me myself for my fish personally i just try not to do anything that stresses them needlessly but for for this i think if they arrive saturday and if they're just kept in the boxes if they were being shipped until until they're won or raffled off or whatever um that's pretty un that's not any more stressful than shipping the fish as i normally would so i'm comfortable with that Sharon Miller, I ordered some red honey garamis. When they came, they definitely weren't red garamis. They were rust color and a lot larger than honey garamis. Very aggressive. Any idea what kind? Could have been comb tail garamis or something? Let's see. Red honey garamis. What looks like that? Was it something like this? Like rust colored, real aggressive. <laughs> I don't know. If so, I'm a little jealous you got to see those. I've never seen those in person. Um, but I, I really don't know, Sharon. Um, anyone here have an idea? Because I don't. Fish Kids 61. How did you tempt a female bed of splendids to breed? And yes, it's a 15-gallon tank DIY divided. Oh, you don't. The male does that. The betta does that. If you just have her in a clear... If she's well-conditioned and the male has a bubble nest um, and you put her in there in a clear, I don't know, glass tube, basically, um, and she can see the male, but he can't get in to beat her up, that's usually enough stimulation for her to want to spawn. Her, her stripes will go vertical, leave them in for another couple days or so, because it usually takes a while before they spawn, and then let her out is, is what I would say. So, yeah, that's his job. <laughs> she just needs to be able to see him. It would help if she couldn't see him before, by the way. So if they're in a divided tank next to each other, and then you move her to his tank, it's like, yeah, that's old news. Like, it'd be better if she couldn't see him for a week or whatever, and then you put her in with him. Bunny Viper. Hi, hey, Bunny Viper. Good to see you. An Akayo question. So this is Epiplates, um, a nice 
killifish uh, from the collection point Acayo. They scatter eggs, but are they fertilized before that? Gather them then? Do they need to be tumbled? What about fungus? Any and all thoughts are much appreciated. Um, no, killifish eggs are super easy. They're as tough as like rice fish eggs or I don't know, some of the rainbow fish eggs. Um, so they'll lay their eggs throughout the spawning mop or the plants or whatever. They're fertilized at the point of spawning. So you'll see them go next to each other, vibrate, and then jerk apart. Um, right at right kind of pretty much that jerk apart motion, from what I understand, um, is that's the moment of fertilization. And um, they'll stick to the mops or the plants. If you want, you can pick out the mop and pick out the little eggs. A lot of people put them in a little container with not tank water, but aged, gassed off, stabilized tap water that you would normally use in your tanks, but you haven't yet because you want it nice and clean. Um, methylene blue can be very helpful, just enough to stain it a light blue color. And um, yeah, you can incubate them like that. Or you can just take out the spawning mop or the plants and move them to another aquarium and wait till the babies hatch. Or you can just move the parents and let the babies hatch in their aquarium. There's lots of ways to do it. Um, Yeah, those are the main ways. Um, they'll, they do take a while to hatch. You're going to be around two weeks or so before they hatch. But when they do, they'll be free swimming and ready to eat right away. There's no like wriggler stage. And they're pretty easy to feed on baby brine shrimp. Orange cones, sometimes we're all chatting amongst each other about you <laughs> and may not want you to see. <laughs> Yep. <laughs> I get that. <laughs> Bunny Viper, any chance in all this current chaos with the warehouse that you'll be at Aqua Shell in October? No. If so, I'll have you, I'll save you an autograph. I'm going to try and go. Great way to spend Halloween. Yeah, I, I wish I could do that, but there's no way. I'm already going to go speak at the uh, Greater Portland Aquarium Society in October. Um, I wish I could. I would love to come see you and lots of other folks I'd like to see as well. But with a nascent business and on top of that, this big construction project, um, I don't know, like it is, it's not uncommon for us to do 14 hour a day it might be pretty standard. Um, some days are longer than that. Basically, if we're awake, we're getting stuff done on the business and we're still behind, like no matter how much time we do and how efficient we are, there's just a lot to do. Um, just taking care of this many fish properly is a big job. Then trying to expand and, um, make changes that'll improve the business and uh, all these other extra things on top of just the core business yeah <laughs> there's no way so i wish i could chris goyetz do you keep or breed uh Krenicicla? what is that one noto you can tell because i don't know the name that i don't but <laughs> Krenicicla notophthalmus or any dwarf pike cichlids i don't um 
I do not. Now, I really like them. Most pike cichlids are just out of my range size-wise, but I do like the little pikes quite a bit. So here's the fish we're talking about. Cute little dwarf pike. Now, it's something that I would bring that fish in. Um, but it, as you probably know, it's not one that's commonly available. So it's going to take some, some going to find it. I, I have not dug deep in any kind of like cichlid sources, um, either South American, Central American, or African, or Asian for that matter. There's some out in India and stuff. Um, just because my my focus is kind of those more more or less the smaller peaceful community fish. So I haven't gone out to seek that fish yet, but we'll get there. Um, I don't know when, it could be a while, but I do like the little, little dwarf pikes for sure. Does frozen baby brine work? Uh, fish Kids 61 asks. Um, yes and no. Um, the nice thing about live food is it stays alive until it's eaten usually. So it doesn't foul your water. If you put in frozen baby brine, So here's what you're trying to do. You're trying to keep food in front of the baby fish all the time. As long as there's daylight, you want them eating. But you're trying to do that without fouling your water and having them die because the water got toxic from decomposition. Live food really helps with that. Baby brine shrimp will last in the aquarium several hours. Um, so vinegar eels and microworms and all that. So you can put some in, head off to work, come back at lunch, and they'll have spent that whole time snacking on baby brine shrimp. And it hasn't decomposed because it's still alive. At lunchtime, and I, and I know not everyone can go home from work at lunch, So, but as an example, lunchtime, if they've eaten it all, you can put some more in, go back to work, come back at dinner, and they've had all that time, or after work, and they've had all that time to eat. At dinner, when you're, when you get back from work, you can put in a little more, and they can eat a little more till bedtime. So the goal is have food in front of them constantly until right before lights out, and then there's no more food left. It's all been eaten. Now, getting that timing perfect is impossible, but that's like the ultimate goal. Live foods help with that. If you put in not live foods, unlife foods, dead foods, <laughs> um, then they start decomposing the moment they hit the water. And that can really make it more difficult to raise a large number of fry in the limited space we usually have to do that in. So can you use it? Yes. Will they eat it? The other thing is baby fish have a trigger response to movement. They're, they're naturally triggered by movement of small stuff to eat it. Once they start eating stuff, then you can kind of transition them over more to the frozen things and prepared things. But it really helps early, early on when, when they're very first learning to feed to have live moving stuff in there because that will trigger their feeding response. And then after they've done that for a while, they're more likely to more easily and quickly transition to the frozen foods or the prepared foods. So, yeah. Cancer train. My CPDs always waste away. Oh, I've treated for parasites multiple times, but some of them still look emaciated. None have died, but about 50% look rough. Other fish are thriving in the tank. 
So cancer train, I don't know exactly what's going on there. But what I will say this is levamisole is a very safe medication and it's not very expensive and a little bit of it goes a long way and it's readily available on eBay. Levamisole hydrochloride, I believe is the one. Um, so I don't think it would hurt at all to do a couple rounds of levamisole and see if that helps. Something else that I do with my CPDs when I first get them in, because often they do show up emaciated. Thankfully, this last batch did not, um, at least for the most part. But often they do show up emaciated is in addition to treating for internal parasites, I also feed them baby brine shrimp, live baby brine shrimp. And I keep food in front of them a lot, just like we were talking about with the baby fish. And I get them fat and eating, and that helps them overcome that that emaciation, if that's a word. Um, now, I don't know for sure that levamisole will treat it because levamisole only treats annelids. An Am I saying that right? Like the certain kinds of worms. I believe it's the round worms that they treat. Um, if you have flatworms or other protozoans and stuff that are causing that emaciation, there's all kinds of parasites. They're not all worms. Let's say that. Um, then maybe it's a different kind of medicine that they'll need. So without knowing exactly what's wrong with them, I wouldn't know what to do. But levamisole is pretty easy to treat and treated as a bath is pretty effective. Some of the other antiparasite medicines are not very effective unless they're actually ingested. And that's hard when the fish isn't eating well. So levamisole is easy and safe and pretty effective. So I would say I don't. Okay, I'm not a veterinarian. Big disclaimer. I actually don't know what I'm talking about when it comes to meds, and I'm unqualified to talk about them. Let's get that straight. But if this was my fish, I would try some levamisole because I've never seen it be a problem, except for there have been times when I've had lots of worms in my gravel. Um, and if you treat for levamisole and kill them all and you get a big die-off, then you can you know, get an ammonia spike and stuff like that. But the, the chemical itself, I don't think is, I think it's pretty safe for fish. Let's put it that way. So that's my best thought. I don't know if it's a good thought, but it's my best one. Kelly Foreman, I totally, based on your super chat, I saw it come in earlier when I was talking about feeding baby bettas, live food versus frozen food, I think. And then I forgot. So I apologize, but I see it now. How are you doing with funding? Are you still looking for investors? So Kind of. Um, and thanks for the super chat, 1999. So we stopped actively courting investors um, once we had the bare minimum we needed to go on, on this build project. So we aren't actively seeking investment, but we would. So construction costs ended up being more than we anticipated because COVID made everything be more than... <laughs> <laughs> Let's just say that the building's costing us more than we originally budgeted for because we budgeted, we budgeted, I can't even talk. We made the budget and the whole plan before COVID happened, right? Um, so as we're going through the, well, the costs are locked in now because we're under contract, but the, so the building is going to cost some more. What that means is some of the money that we had set aside for more runway um, is being utilized in the construction process, um, getting the equipment in there and stuff like that, that we need. 
Um, the construction itself is is covered, but we have to buy like everything went up, steel went up, PVC went up, everything. So it's just increased our costs on our end. So um, we would be thrilled if someone reached out and did want to invest. Um, and some folks have, and we are talking to a few of them. So we're kind of passively looking, I guess would be the term. But we would welcome talking to someone if they're interested in it. Let's say that. What we want to how we have this set up from the beginning is I think there's a mistake a lot of businesses make, which is um, they cover their costs. Well, sometimes they don't even cover their, these costs, but we didn't want to be a company that had just enough to get set up, but not enough for some runway after that. We didn't want to just get set up and then be like, yay, we're here. And then three weeks later be like, Oh, we're out of money. We just spent all this money on this big project and now we're out of money. So we purposely um, built runway into the fundraising. So we'd have some runway after that. And that's, that runway has shrunk um, in, in um, a corresponding amount with the increased cost that we've undergone. So we would like to increase our runway a bit as well. Um, so yeah, <laughs> I guess I could have just said, yes, please email me. <laughs> <laughs> yes, please email me. <laughs> hmm. Can you tell I was a professor? <laughs> it's just. <laughs> Can I ever just get a quick, straight, simple answer? I'll give you a straight answer, but it'll never be quick. It'll never be simple. <laughs> Everything's so complex. <laughs> Sorry about that, Kelly. <laughs> oh, oh, thanks for asking, though. Um, RB Animals Rescue. What size tank is best for the, um, here I go again, Perosphromenis, Perosphromenis Dysneri. That's what I'm saying this time. Um, they don't need a ton of room. Um, I think you could, well, there's six of them. Like a pear, I think you'd be fine in like a five and a half gallon if it was well planted and lots of decorations. Um, group of six. They're going to get up to about two inches. So I think you could shoehorn them into like a 10 gallon, but I'm going to say like a 20 or a 20 long would be six two inch fish that are going to want to be able to get away from each other on occasion. Um, yeah. But a 10 gallon would probably work as well if it was well, if it had lots of decorations or plants or visual barriers. Like each tank isn't, isn't the same, right? If, if there's a bare 10 gallon tank, there are certain fish you just can't keep together in there. But if that same 10 gallon tank is just choked with jungle vow or hornwort or pick your plant, right? Now you can keep six or eight of them in there, right? Um, so it depends on the tank. I see random arms over here laughing at me, so. <laughs> it's probably about that, my inability to give Corey, <laughs> Kelly Foreman a brief, concise answer. <laughs> um, okay, where are we? 
So Fish Kid 61, um, don't list your question over and over and over again. It doesn't help me see it any quicker and it clogs the chat and frustrates the moderators. So if you see that I've passed it and not answered it, then feel free to list it again. But but let's let's just not list it all the time, please. The Zen Ginger, would these little garamis be okay in a 29 gallon? Yes, auto sinkless, yes. Or would need a 40 gallon or more for six of them. I think a 29 with auto sinkless would be good, especially right now. They're under an inch right now, half an inch to three quarters of an inch. Um, and as they grow, you know, if you wanted to divide them out, you could. But I think a 29 with auto sinkless sounds perfect. Yeah, that sounds perfect. Six airbrush, anything new with the new shop? I think I went all over the progress on the new shop build. Um, so I'll refer you to earlier in the chat um, when we went over that, or if you sign up for the newsletter at dansfish.com, uh, that has a detailed description of like a progress chart and pictures and everything um, over the last month's construction. Um, also, dans.fish on Instagram, we're pretty active there posting uh, updates on the construction. And we, we did make a video about it. Um, that's right now, only folks with the newsletter can see it because I, I want to do something like what's a newsletter if there's if I put a video in the newsletter and it's already out on YouTube, it's like, what's the point, right? So I want folks on the to get the newsletter to be able to see that. But a couple days from now, um, I'll probably release it for everybody. I just wanted to give the newsletter subscribers a little, a little, I don't know, preview bonus type thing. Brian Maramba. Hey, I love how many gobies you have. Me too. They're so much fun. <laughs> Are you going to continue to get more species like maybe rhinogobius? Oh, I love rhinogobius. Um, Oh, yeah, and Amazonas Magazine is all about rhinogobius this month, isn't it? I haven't had time to read it yet, but um, it looked like it. Maybe it has other gobies as well. That would be great for me because I happen to have a bunch of gobies right now. <laughs> um, yes, I want to get more species in. Uh, will I get rhinogobius? Yes, I like rhinogobius a lot, and I have experience with them. I know how to – I'm confident with rhinogobius that I can keep them properly and do a good job. Um it kind of depends on how well stuff sells, though. This is a business. It's not just, I mean, it's a hobby, too. It's nice when your business and your hobby are kind of the same thing because it's fun, but I have to be responsible. So this is kind of a test, these gobies, to see how well they do. And that will help determine what we do in the future. Um, I did know it would be a bit of a challenge because a lot of those gobies are very expensive. Um it's just because a lot of them are super hard to source. Like, well, I talked about it a few live streams ago. Um, I have to go to all these tiny little islands that might be 2,000 miles away from the mainland, and you have to go find them in the forest and up above the waterfalls and all that. It's not, it's not easy. So sourcing them is very difficult. And my supplier has done an amazing job to go out and source these and, and find where they are and set up a way to get them. But it's not cheap. And so I realized that now some of them are only like, I don't know, 10 to 15 bucks. I think the cheapest ones um, are around $12, something like that, right? Well, yeah, because I'm not including the uh, bumblebee gobies in this, in this group. Um, but some of them are up around 70 bucks. So 12.50 to 70, 
you know, paying 40 to 50 bucks for a, a little goby, I get that that's a challenge for a lot of people. So this is kind of an experiment to see how it goes and that'll help determine what happens from here. But I hope so, because I really like them. Um, they're phenomenal little fish and they're hard to find a lot of them. Okay, let's see here. Here we go, Donald Drew. Damn, the neon blue eye rainbows and CBDs arrived today. They look fantastic. Thank you, brother. I have the acrylic ordered to border my net guard top. Stiffodons are next on the order. Awesome, Donald. Glad to hear it. Glad they arrived in good shape. Awesome batch of Luminatus. And those CPDs are fat and sassy. So to whoever was asking about the CPDs, um, I have a group right now that is not pinched at all. They came in in good shape. They're they look like a CBD should look. So um, if you are unsuccessful treating these that you have and you want to try them again, um, I'm pretty confident the ones I have will do well for you. But give it some time. Like it would probably be best to, to wait a few weeks so things are less likely to transfer to the new batch, things like that, right? Um, but they do look awesome. Fish Kid 61, do you ship any of your products to New Zealand? Wow, um, I don't. I only sell live fish, and exporting live fish to New Zealand is a massive process. It doesn't work for my business. Swamp Thing, were the nice looking Bolivian rams you mentioned a while back wild caught? Wild caught looked 10 times better than fish food raised fish, or did you mean the strain was a nice strain? Um, they were not wild caught. It's just, um, they looked better than any Bolivian rams I'd ever seen before. So whoever was breeding them, and, and I know the breeder, <laughs> but it, somehow this batch was just phenomenal. So I don't know if they just liked the tank they were in a lot. It's a pretty bare bones tank though, so I can't imagine that's it. Or if the breeder just did a good job selecting his line and kept it nice and pretty the whole time, I, I'm not sure. But they were not wild caught, and for some reason they they really just colored up like like nothing I've seen before on a Bolivian ramp. Yeah. But yeah, I know what you mean, um, Swamp Thing. There's there's a lot of Bolivian rams that are unimpressive. Although I do always wonder, like, if you took those unimpressive ones that you often see in the in the pet store, they're all washed out and stuff. If they were put in a place where, where they were happy, <clears throat> um, I wonder what they would look like. Maybe they would color up nicely. Now, I'm saying all this without ever having, to my knowledge that I remember at this moment, I don't think I've seen a wild Bolivian ram in person. So... I don't have that to compare it to in my head. Maybe if I'd seen one of those, I would have been like, oh, those are nice, but the wilds are better. But but without having that, I thought these looked fantastic. Hmm. I can drink, but not without dripping. Ooh, it's already 8.22. We've only got eight more minutes. Let's get to it. Uh, Natural Aquarium throwing down two bucks and saying, awesome, thanks for supporting GPAS. Oh, of course, happy to do it. Um, I, I'm a fish club fan. I think fish clubs are amazing. 
and I grew up in them. I, I cut my teeth on fish clubs. <laughs> so, yeah, I have a lot to give back when it comes to fish clubs. I am happy to help. And sorry I missed that earlier. Maria Z, top chat or live chat? Um, I'm in, oh, huh. I think I'm actually in live chat because that gets set over here. Nope, I think I was in top chat this whole time. Thank you for bringing that to my attention. However, now, oh, it just cut everything off. If you had a question or comment and I did not answer it already, would you repost it? When I switched to live chat just now, it cut it cut everybody off. I can only see like two pages worth. Oh, it started fresh. Well, <laughs> yeah, please do list your question or comment again. Um, I guess I shouldn't do that next time I forget. I should just stay in top chat. So, but yeah, Maria, I screwed up. Uh, I was not in live chat. I was in top chat. Good call. Whoops. Oh, well. Scary Terry, I got some rainbows from you last week, and they're all doing awesome. The goiter is already showing insane color, as well as the Parkinsonite. Thanks again. Scary Terry, I'm glad to hear it. Um, almost always that happens. And I guess I should be careful. Like, I give the shipping report, and I don't want to give the impression that very often things go wrong. I just want to be transparent and admit it when it does. Um, but I, just please know that in over 99% of the cases, I know I start off each live stream with a report and sometimes it's a downer, but in over 99% of the cases, all the fish do great and do great long-term. So I'm glad that's the case with you, Scary Terry. It always makes me a little nervous though. Um, sometimes I'll get emails or people will... I mean, it's, it's great when people do this, right? They'll email say, you have the best fish. I'm only going to buy from you. They never die. I've been buying for, I don't know, I bought this so many orders from you and they're all still alive. Like we get those emails and those comments and stuff. And that's awesome. That's our goal. And, and keep them coming. <laughs> it's, it, it's great to be able to share those with the team. It keeps the team motivated and everything. But every time it happens, there's a little piece of me that's like, Oh man, please don't be the next, don't let the next order be the one that goes wrong. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? It's like, it's just statistics. Each order I send, the better the odds that this is going to be the one that has a problem, right? Even though the stats are tiny, tiny. So I don't know. It's, it's kind of funny being a fishmonger, even when things are going well, still in the back of my mind, I'm like, I'm glad it's going well, but oh, please don't let the next one be the problem. <laughs> Scary Terry. Oh, oh, good, good. I just saw that one. Zeph. Wow, I was very excited to say that name. Sorry that was so loud. Zeph. Do you plan on bringing in wild honey grommies? Man, if I had a source for wild honey grommies, I would totally bring them in. I believe my source, though, is uh, I believe they're raised on a farm. Michael Millier, spots of decaying flesh on the sides of several angelfish. No other species in tanks seem affected. Thoughts, decaying flesh. If they're tiny little white things and they protrude from the fish a bit, it, it could be something like anchorworms and stuff. 
those can look like spots of decaying flesh because it looks like the flesh is kind of peeling off the fish. But in fact, that's a little copepod um, that for some reason we call a worm. It's not. It's a crustacean. Um, those can kind of look like that. Uh, it's impossible to for me to know. Um, there's very few things that I can actually accurately diagnose just by looking. Anchorworm is one of them because it's very distinct. And after a while, some or all of them, I think just some of them, no, maybe all of them that you see because the males are little like useless things, um, will we'll develop, it'll be this little white thing that sticks off the fish. And at the end, after a while, they'll develop these two little egg sacs. So if it's like a, one little line that divides into two at the end, it could be anchorworms. If so, it's very easy to treat with Dimelin, and Dimelin is super safe, very easy to use, very safe. Um, in my experience, I'm not a vet, all those disclaimers. But, I mean, that's a shot in the dark, Michael. I, even if I was sitting there, there in front of the tank watching the fish, I'd be hard-pressed to diagnose most things, so I don't know. Especially if they've been in the tank long term with other species. I suppose it's possible they're fighting and injuring each other, and then those little spots are getting infected. But yeah, I don't, I don't know. I'm sorry. I wish I could. This is so. Couple things we do really poorly in this hobby. One is transport fish. That I can make a difference with. I can do that right and show other people how to do that right. And we're already seeing that kind of starting to spread. The other thing though is treating our fish. And I can't do much on that. I'm not qualified. I don't have the expertise to do it. And I wish I did. Um, I wish I could help more. T-Shot, throwing down five bucks. <laughs> Every fish I've ever bought from you has been great quality. If anyone is on the fence about ordering from Dan, don't think twice. Congrats on the progress. Thanks, T-Shot. I appreciate it. I'm glad that you've been happy with the fish you've got. And now I've got to worry that the next order I send you is going to be the one with the problems. <laughs> so thanks for that. <laughs> no, thanks for the super chat, sincerely. All right, we're going to close this out. It's time for a giveaway. I just realized we've only got a minute left. So for some licorice gouramis, the winner is Julia. Julia, you have won. So let us know. You've got about two minutes to let us know you're here. Um, just type a message in chat and we'll know and we'll go from there. While we're waiting for Julia, um, let's get to a couple others here. Patrick Wingard was wondering if you had any South American leaf fish. I don't. Um, I haven't been able to find any at a price that made sense for resell. All right. I'm, I'm watching that. I'm leaving that up so we see it when Julia responds. If Julia hasn't responded by the time that little counter gets to two minutes, we'll draw someone else. So come on, Julia. Um, Dirkski 1056. How long do you think BBS remain viable as a food? And how do you keep them alive as long as possible after hatching? So what I do, there's a couple things there. Um, one is you need to remove them from the hatching cone 
as soon as they're hatched because the longer they're in the cone, the more of their energy they're going to use up and the less time they're going to live once you harvest them. Um, they're, they're burning energy when they're in that cone. From the time they hatch until you harvest them, they're burning energy and their life uh, span is shortening. So harvest them as soon after hatching as you can. Julia's almost missed the boat. Julia, come on in. You've only got a few more seconds and then we're going to redraw. Um, wait, did you reply? Oh, Julia is here. It's just not showing up here. How odd. All right, Julia, cool. Send me an uh, email, dan at dancefish.com. Julia, um, your first and last name and your shipping address, and I will send those licorice grummies out to you, and congratulations. Back real quick to the baby brine shrimp. So what you want to do is harvest them as soon as they've hatched, and then I put them right in the fridge, and they'll be alive four days later in the fridge if I do that. I keep them in shallow wide containers and where the water is only like half an inch thick so that they have a lot of surface area because because that that'll help them live they need lots of surface area for oxygen absorption into the water but if i do that i can keep them for four days and they're still alive now if they've hatched and i don't harvest them for four hours after they hatch or i don't know 10 hours after they hatch whatever then they don't last as long so that's my thoughts on that. All right, Julia, thanks. Sorry, it didn't, did it? Yeah, it still did not show up here. Look at this. Here's Julia. No message. Huh. Wonder if I just refresh that. Let's hope this doesn't kill the stream. I just want to try something. Refresh. Oh, now Julia never entered. <laughs> Weird. Well, anyway, Julia, I know you won. <laughs> Sorry for the Nightbot glitch thing. I'm not sure what happened there. Um, with that, let's close this out. I want to start by thanking my moderators. Thanks for being here, doing what you do every week. I I totes appreciate you. Um, all the super chats. Thanks for throwing money at us. And tonight there was a lot of super chats. $171.96. That's a lot. Thank you, everyone. Um, I really, really appreciate it, especially Liquid Zoo. That was so generous of you. After we had a problem with an order and um, instead of being angry, left a super chat. That's a customer I want to keep. <laughs> um, so anyway, thanks so much. Everyone that left a question or comment, thanks for participating. Hail the Lurker Nation. I'm with you. Everyone watching on the replay, I hope you can be here live someday, but I get it. Life is busy. If you're listening on the podcast, glad you found us. If you ever get a chance to join us live on YouTube, please do. We would love to meet you. Anyway, we'll be back the same bat time, same bat channel. Until next week, have a good one. Bye-bye. <laughs>